In our last episode, and part one of this feature on systematic and institutional racism in America, we received unfiltered opinions from Andover students Adeza, Victoria, and Fred on Andover's letter from the Board of Trustees to address racism on campus and anti-racism education at the school. The discussion was very enlightening and penetrated deep into the pores of the foundation that the school's institution was built on. The Lightbulb now presents the second part of the two-part feature on systematic and institutional racism in America, featuring Eileen Wong, a student at Yale, discussing her take on the Asian American response to the Black Lives Matter movement. My name is Eileen Huang. Uh, I use she, they pronouns, and uh, I'm currently a rising junior at Yale University studying English. On May 31st, six days after the killing of George Floyd, a letter was published on behalf of the Asian American community by Eileen Huang. Actually, uh, wasn't supposed to write this article. Um, a family friend had approached me about publishing something on WeChat um, related to Asian American history because uh, I write very extensively about Asian American history and identity and those topics. Um, but I just thought, uh, since it was sort of at the height of the George Floyd Black Lives Matter anti-racism protests, um, I just, you know, really thought it would be inappropriate to talk about Asian American history without talking about these histories of Black and Asian solidarity that have, you know, happened in the past and um, will continue to happen today. Um, and I thought it was also a very timely moment to address uh, the anti-Blackness I was seeing in my own community. Soon after her thoughts were released into the world of WeChat, an app that parallels both Instagram and Facebook in China, controversy began to spark. I think this is like true of a lot of Chinese American immigrant kids, but like our parents, um, they're always on WeChat and um, that's where they get most of their information and most of their ideas, um, especially if your first language is not English or your uh, native language is Chinese. Um, so I thought it would just be uh, really impactful to put my letter on a platform where people, where people would actually be able to read it um, and have it translated for them so it's more accessible. She states that while most Asians here in America are not subject to the same level of institutional racism that the black community suffers from, they should too take action in support of the Black Lives Matter movement to bring about change. More importantly, Huang highlights the fact that the civil rights movement in the 50s and strong leadership from the black community greatly aided the acceptance of Asian Americans, which is not always accounted for, especially by older members of the Asian American community. I definitely do stand by that statement that we owe a lot of um, black activists and a lot of black trailblazers. Um, we owe them a lot. Um, I, I think like, you know, they're really the only reason I'm allowed in this country and my family is allowed in this country um, is because of things like the civil rights movement and um, the black power movements um, and, you know, the efforts uh, of the Black Panthers um, and all these other incredible um, black activists who similarly inspired a lot of really important Asian American activists, um, as I touched on in my essay. I owe a lot of my understanding of my own identity and also you know a lot of my politics to people like Malcolm X and like Angela Davis, um, Marsha P. Johnson, you know people who 
really fought for um, the dismantling of white supremacy. In her letter, she highlighted the importance of why Asian Americans should support the Black Lives Matter movement. She also provided some strong examples of how any ally can greatly contribute towards the fight against anti-racism. I think, you know, one important thing uh, that I already see a lot of people doing is uh, talk to your parents and talk to your uh, immediate community about anti-blackness or, you know, talk to them about why supporting Black Lives Matter is important. Um, and aside from, you know, just having these conversations with people, um, I think it's most important to, like, commit to, you know, uh, action and to um, fundraise, to show up to protest. And if that's not possible for you, um, you know, at least support materially, donate, um, uh, go to cleanups or, um, you know, support Black activists and Black organizations in any way possible. Um, those are just some actionables that I think that our community can really commit to right now. The controversy is highlighted in the comments section, where comments crack down on Eileen's argument. One says, I feel very uncomfortable with your letter, Eileen. Please don't generalize your parents' racist behavior, if that is racist in your opinion, to the entire Chinese community. As a first-generation immigrant here, all I see is our respect for hard work, including African-Americans' hard work. We disrespect laziness, whichever color of skin that is. To this, Eileen replied, Yeah, I have read a lot of the comments um, in my article, both the Chinese and the English version, and I think they're quite similar. Um, and it's usually responses from first-generation Chinese-American immigrants, a lot of my like elders and the older generation of Chinese-Americans. A lot of them are sort of like, you can't claim to represent the entire Chinese-American community. Primarily, first of all, I am very, very cognizant of that. Um, I'm a very, you know, class-privileged, um, college-educated, um, you know, light-skinned Chinese-American um, U.S. citizen. I have a lot of privilege. Um, but at the same time, I think it's very important to be vocal about how anti-Blackness is really deeply rooted um, in our community. Our community is definitely very diverse. I mean, um, like I said, like a lot of Asian-Americans and Chinese-Americans don't even fit the model minority stereotype. Our community is also one of like, you know, refugees, um, undocumented people, um, you know, low income, small business owners. Um, it's a really diverse community, but I think we have to recognize that, you know, anti-Blackness is, is a huge a problem in our community, um, regardless of where you come from. Um, so I think, you know, the first step is at least acknowledging that and then you can work to sort of unlearn it or, um, you know, commit to things that um, practice anti-racism, like donating and protesting and those things. I'm very mindful of all members of the Chinese American community. Um, and I know while a lot of the sort of vitriol thrown at my letter was from a, people who are, you know, in similar communities like mine, like, you know, very class privileged people, um, that's not always the case. And I can, I can truly understand where people who have criticism of Black Lives Matter and protests are coming from. Um, but I think it's really worth noting that, you know, um, one really common response to my letter was like, oh, so, you know, we're just going to pretend that Asian anti-Asian racism doesn't exist. Um, but I mean, I want people to know that, uh, you know, anti-Asian racism, fighting uh, against anti-Asian racism and fighting against anti-Blackness are not mutually exclusive. I think 
Um, as I've really emphasized, they're really part of the same sort of fight to uh, um, towards anti-racism and towards you know a non-racist or less racist society. Um, and I think you know even if we see a lot of things on the media that really sort of fetishize or emphasize the violence of these protests, the quote unquote violence of these protests, I think it's really important not to lose sight of, you know, the violences that have been hurting black communities for years and the violences that have been hurting Asian communities for years. Um, and I think that we have to keep that in mind when we talk about um, what's happening in these protests. Even after the controversial commentary and mixed reactions of her article, Wong still strongly believes in the message she conveyed her in her letter. I absolutely stand by everything that I wrote um, in my first essay. I mean, it was a few weeks ago, and uh, my views have definitely not changed that much since then. Um, I think I'm very firm on my belief that, you know, um, the fight for Black Lives Matter and for Black liberation um, is a really important one, first of all, because Black Lives Matter, that's simply a fact that we can't deny. I'm be very violent to deny that. Um, and also, you know, Black liberation is so deeply intertwined with Asian American liberation or, um, you know, Indigenous uh, sovereignty, uh, queer liberation, all these things. Because um, I all think they, they fight to dismantle the same kind of structures and institutions that hurt marginalized people. Um, so I definitely do stand by everything I said in my essay. I'm actually continuing my uh, sort of WeChat project um, on like writing bilingual essays or letters uh, and putting them and publishing them on WeChat. Um, I'm organizing a group of Chinese American and Asian American undergraduates uh, who are writers, translators, editors um, to write about issues that are really, really, you know, timely um, concerning race in America because I realized there's a sort of generational gap in how um, immigrant kids and their parents like think about and contextualize and talk about race. Um, so that's a project I'm working on. Uh, I will definitely uh, try to keep people updated on that, but um, we plan on writing about topics like um, prison and police abolition, queer, queer rights, um, mental health, just sort of these issues that aren't really touched on the Chinese American community. And we hope to sort of facilitate this intergenerational dialogue between um, young people, uh, young Chinese Americans and, you know, their family members and their elders um, to sort of close that gap. Um, but I think, you know, foremost, I am, I am not, you know, I don't try to, I really don't want to center myself in Black Lives Matter. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm really just a person standing in solidarity with Black leaders and activists. So um, aside from my own project, I really am committed to, uh, you know, doing what Black leaders and what Black organizations are asking for us, at the, for us to do at this time. Finally, seeing as Eileen is an English major at Yale, we asked her for some guidance in her area of expertise. Specifically, what books has she been reading and would recommend to people in order to educate themselves about racism and to appreciate the works of some influential Black authors? I can think of a couple books right now. So right now I'm reading um, Our Prisons Obsolete by Angela Davis. Um, admittedly, I've been very, I've been reading it really slowly because I haven't, it's been really hard to like focus on readings outside of school. Um, but I think it's a really informative book for thinking about a lot of the demands that black activists and abolitionists are asking for today. 
um, that are kind of being pushed into the mainstream. Um, and it really asks us to reconsider um, to not take the criminal justice system we have now for granted and understand its really racist origins and work to, you know, dismantle that. Um, another book that I found really interesting and very timely is um, Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong. Um, and it's just, it's a really great collection of essays by um, Kathy Park Hong, who is this um, great scholar and great poet. Um, and I think it's like the first, one of the first books I've seen that talks about um, Asian American issues from more of like a, a critical race theory point of view. Um, but she touches on a lot of issues like this model minority myth that I mentioned in my letter, um, and uh, even issues of, even histories of Black and Asian solidarity. Um, and I think it's a really fascinating book. I think it was um, a book that really understood me, or, you know, for once I felt very, very, very seen from reading it. Thank you for listening to The Light Bulb. We'd like to thank Eileen for her time, and as usual, for more information, and if you're interested in reading her original letter, please check out our Instagram, at The Lightbulb Podcast, to find links to those resources.